I won't use. I'll try not to follow your lead on that one, but it might happen. So that would be totally fine. I love it. All right. So brilliance. You use this word brilliance instead of good to great. Good to brilliance. Why? Teach me. I mean, have we just gone live there, by the way? Oh, yeah. We're live. We're live. Yay! <laughs> All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. I just want to go through some of the things that might help you with your visions. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome into Vision Pros Live. I'm your host, Jackson Callum, founder of First Class Business, and I'm really excited. I'm like smiling ear to ear about my guest right now because he's already brought so much great energy into this room, and he's only been with us for about seven minutes. So we're going to be bringing out Michael Heppel in just a minute. I'm going to explain who he is up front, but first, let's go ahead and give a shout out to our sponsors, Epiphany and Able Health. You can Google both of those. In fact, good luck Googling Epiphany on your own. I would love to see if somebody can find the spelling rendition that Rick Meekins used to launch that company, but you can see it right up somewhere over here. There we go. It's hard to do that reflection thing. Um, anyway, Rick runs a great company. Uh, if you've got more than 30 employees, I highly recommend checking out what he can do for you and uh, asking him for a proposal. He's a great friend of mine and wonderful supporter. Got a great podcast too called Off the Cuff. AbleHealth.us is a fantastic way to also improve your health without having to visit a naturopath. I recommend checking out what Dr. Seth Gates and I are building over there. And then there's, of course, The Water Project. Man, my finger is off today. Um, so The Water Project, great opportunity to give back and help people get access to clean drinking water. Please help out. Um, without further ado, Michael Heppel is an international best-selling author of eight books, including How to Be Brilliant. We were just talking a little bit about that word brilliant and uh, what that means versus the word great. We might get into that a little bit. Now, he had a mission with his wife, um, who he's been married to off and on for over 20 years. So we'll be talking about that story a little bit. And they had a mission to influence more than 1 million people. And they've already accomplished that. So we're going to be talking to him about what the heck comes next. Where are they headed now? What type of goal do they have? His latest book, um, 17, The Little Way to Get a Lot Done. Um, was launched in September of 2020. So we'll want to definitely check that out after we get the chance to talk to him. But let's bring him on. Let's hear about his vision. And uh, Michael, thank you so much for being here today, man. We really appreciate you. Well, thank you so much. And what a great introduction. Um, uh, there's not very not very many people who know about the thing about me and my wife. And we don't really tell too many people. But now, obviously, on this <laughs> podcast, we're, covered, we're going to tell everybody. It don't matter. It's fine. We're Thanks. out there now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for letting me be the insider and our, our audience as well. We all, we will all respect and honor that. And, and I, I appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, you guys have made your relationship count. Yeah. It's, it's the best thing in the world. I couldn't do what I do without my wife. She's, she's brilliant. She's the rock. She's the one who makes it happen. When I first started, you know, talking about business vision, when I first yeah. started my company, I was so excited. I was stoked. You know, I, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. We're going to make a massive difference. I'm going to become a multimillionaire, blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the first year, the turnover for the business, that's the turnover, the, not the profit, was about £12,000, so about $16,000. Mm. And, um, and then the next year, it was heading in the same direction. <laughs> and things were looking pretty, pretty bad. And then, um, and then it started to go up a little bit like this. 
And then after about three or four years, my wife was working for a, a big American company called Compact Computers, which you might have heard of. And she was a project manager for them. And she was brilliant, yeah. absolutely amazing. She'd been with Newcastle University, did some fantastic projects there. And she used to give me all this advice. And one day I went, what am I thinking about? Christine, why don't we work together? Why don't you run the business? I'll stand on stage. You do all, all the other stuff. She did. And the business went like this. Ooh. Absolutely skyrocket. So get the right people around you. Um, but we had to learn how to work together because that was from another part of our life. We hadn't done so well. So working together, we got a coach to help us to do that. Uh, dude, that's phenomenal. I'm glad you mentioned the coaching aspect as well. And Michael, um, allow me to monologue a little bit on this because one, I owe you an apology for revealing that. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't realize that that wasn't revealed, but I do want to say, that there's so many entrepreneurs who are either struggling in a marriage and people can't see it. They don't want to admit it, you know, or it's really tense because they're trying to tackle giant problems in the world. And that can be a very polarizing experience with how hard it is for any relationships are hard in general. But when you got somebody who's trying to, you know, like carve a path that nobody's done before, that can be a very difficult thing for somebody to support and want to be involved in so again superpowers to you guys thank you so much for being an example for the rest of us in the world who um, want to be able to have our relationships and have our businesses too yeah it's when we worked with a coach it was fascinating because one thing he said is you have to work out who's going to make a final decision on certain areas because you can discuss it you can argue about it but one person has to make final decisions Yes. And and we agreed that when it came to presenting and writing, that I would make the final decisions. And when it came to recruitment and finance, Christine would make final oh. decisions. And at home, Christine makes all the final decisions. Mm. <laughs> Good for you, man. I, I, thank you so much for that. Again, uh, just the wisdom packed into that, that one lesson. I appreciate that. So let's dive right in. Michael, what's your vision in 15 seconds? Well, it was, as you know from the intro, to, to positively influence a million lives. And that when I, when I had that vision, when I decided that's what I wanted to do, it was a game changer because every decision we made in the business was based around how close we could get to that. So we would have you know, the, the speaking seasons for conferences. So like October, you could speak every single day in October and it's kind of the start of a year, that type of thing. And the first question we would ask anybody who wanted to book us to do an event was how many people will be in the audience? And so if, if it was 15 and it was, you know, a big fancy client or whatever, but there was somebody else who was, you know, two and a half thousand, but they were little known. We're going with the little known one that has two and a half thousand because that would get us closer to the goal. But the big thing that made the difference was was this, that first book coming out, How to Be Brilliant, yeah. because that did two things. One we sold a shed load of books, so that was great. Mm -hmm. But also it catapulted everything else that we did. So we got on the bigger stages, we got to more people. We were invited to do TV work, we did all sorts of stuff. And so we hit that million target quite quickly. And then of course, what's next? <laughs> you know, you're gonna, you've positively influenced a million lives, you've measured it, you've counted it. Um, are you gonna go for 10 million next? Are you gonna go for, you know, 20 million, what you're going to do. And um, yeah. we said, no, let's just now take it to the next stage. And this is what we want to do. We want to influence every person we connect with. So mm -hmm. this talking to you now, 
my job is to leave you feeling more positive, more up for it, passionate about life. If I can do that with every single person I connect with, I'm winning. Oh, dude, I love that. And so now, now you've ultimately, it sounds like focused on the one, um, you know, like that being present, um, which is such a gift as well. That's, that's super awesome. Well, I'm going to ask you a, a strange question. So why do you care? Michael, what, where did your, your depth of, of caring to influence others come from? Well, you know, it's interesting that you're right. I do care. I care. I overcare about this stuff. Yeah. I, get, I care to a point where I will make crazy decisions. I work hard on really small things where other people would have stopped. And I think it's because, you know, I, I was a youth worker in the past. So before I started to do this, I, I was a youth worker, originally with family business as a roofing contractor, did that for seven years, worked for my dad. It was it was great, but it wasn't ever what I was going to do. Then I became a youth worker. And then after that, I became a fundraiser. And when I was fundraising, I met some amazing people. And one guy was somebody called David Brown, the guy who invented the Caterpillar, you know, the big split axle trucks that you see in yeah. quarries oh, yeah. and things out like in him. his home. And he gave me 250,000 pounds as a donation. And I started to ask him questions as I would with every successful person. You know, how do you do this? How do you do that? And, and he started to talk about the impact that you can make by doing something really, really well. And, um, I, and I got excited about this. And then he said, let me ask you a question. And he said, what was the last book that you read? And I, it wasn't a personal development book. It wasn't a business book. It was, you know, some fiction book. And he said, okay, I suggest you start to read books that make you better. I thought, oh, that's good. And I started to read. And the other thing he asked me was, what was the last course that you went on that you paid for? Not, not work that you paid it for, and I hadn't paid for anything. So I started to invest in my own personal development. And I and I saw people change. And I thought, my goodness, imagine being able to do this. Imagine, you know, not being in the audience, being the person on the stage. And yeah. so I did a lot of study, I did a lot of work. Mm -hmm. I got a chance, first of all, to teach kids, and then got a chance to teach teachers. And let me tell you, Jackson, after you've taught teachers, you can teach anybody, because <laughs> teachers already know everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so they'd have you believe, and um, and then I got a chance to start my own business. So that's how that's how it all started, right from going back to thinking. You know what? I see that people can make a difference in somebody's lives. People have made a difference in my life. I need to to pay it forward now. Oh, that's brilliant. That's amazing. So, um, let's talk about today's episode. So, who should be listening? Everybody that just heard what you said is going to benefit tremendously from the nuggets of wisdom that you just threw down. For the rest of the episode, who should be listening? Why should they listen to you? And what are they going to get out of today's show, do you think? Okay, I think people who should be listening are those who are dissatisfied with doing a good job. Good is no longer good enough. There's a, there's a new benchmark. I say the benchmark is brilliance. And if you're one of those people who you think, you know what, but I'm doing a good job. You know, I'm working hard. I'm a good dad. I'm a good mum. I'm a good partner. I'm a good friend. I'm a, I'm a good employee. I'm a good business owner. Wh whatever it might be, good isn't good enough. And if you can get that step between there and there and just work on that gap between good and brilliance, the rewards are huge. It's totally yeah. unfair. It's absolutely unfair because I know some people who are very, very good at what they do and they don't get rewarded for it. 
And I know a few people yeah. who are brilliant at what they do and it's disproportionate. They get huge rewards. Mm. So that's that's what I think people can get out of my message. I love it. Let's play the semantics game a bit further. So you got good, better, best, great, awesome, genius, brilliant, right? A lot okay. of different interpretations. So mine are these, right? You've got poor at the bottom. Poor. Nobody, you know, if you... If you're happy Taking going out notes. and doing a poor job, you deserve to go bust, right? You don't, you don't deserve. That's it. true. That's true. Yeah. You're not gonna, you're not gonna win. If you're gonna going wing forward. it like that, forget it. Then good is the next level, and good is where people think, you know what, I'm doing a good job. I should get good results. You end up getting poor results, and then the next one is to go between good and up to fantastic. Now, a lot of people love the idea of being fantastic. Now, it is semantics with words, I know, but but this word fantastic is. It's an interesting one because you can do a fantastic job and still get good results. The difference between fantastic and brilliant is between there and there. Do you see it? There see and it. there. And uh, if you listen to this, it's that tiny inch, that little bit. And it's where you do pick up the phone rather than send an email. It's where you really do follow through. It's where you care. It's where you take notes. It's where you relive those notes. It's where you invest in yourself. It's where you, um, rather than sit and watch, you know, TV for three hours on a night time, you think, I'll tell you what, it's going to be a treat once I've finished doing this. It's that gap between there and there. And when you do that on a consistent basis, that's when you can be brilliant. Now, you, you can't be brilliant at everything. When I do a course or I do a keynote, I say, what do you want to be brilliant at? And there's always somebody who goes, I want to be brilliant at everything. You can't do it. If you'd have a look at elite athletes who are brilliant at something, there's other areas of their life that they decide, I can't be brilliant at that. So you get other people to help you with those areas. So I want to be a brilliant dad, brilliant parent. I want to be a brilliant husband. And I want to be brilliant at presenting. Now you're saying, well, wait a minute, Mike, but you've written eight books. Yeah, they're fantastic books. They're not brilliant. Hmm. And I'm happy with that. I'm happy to be at that level because, you know what, I, I, writing eight books takes a lot of work to do that. And, and some people spend 10 years writing one book to make it brilliant. I haven't got 10 years. You know, I wrote my first well book in four days. You know, it was, uh, it was, I was, I was racking my brain. It was David Sandler and you can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar that talked about how you, I think it was his book where he talked about, you can't have an A plus performance every time. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to have that. And so if you live with that expectation on yourself, you're kind of, you're kind of hurting yourself. You're kind of talking about that same concept. The other thing that came to mind, you talked about one of our core pillars at, at first class business, which is consistency. Um, right. So I want to go back to this gap between fantastic and brilliant. Um, it's, it's such an important realization. It can be hard to imagine. My mission president taught this concept. Um, and he said, water, if you want, if you want water to become vapor, um, you have to get it to the 100% point of boiling for that to happen. You can't be one degree off and have that water turn into steam, vapor, whatever you want to call it. Um, and he talked about how once the water makes that transformation, it expands to 4,000 times the volume of what it was because of one degree difference, the right yeah. degree, right? So that sounds kind of like what you're talking about in terms of fantastic to brilliant. Do you mind shedding light on a few more examples? Do you have any more on hand of What's that difference between somebody who's fantastic and brilliant? Because you listed several. 
that were that were lights out like oh yeah turn the movie off or reward yourself with the movie by doing those three to five tasks that you don't want to do what else does that look like let me give you two i'll give you um the classic one is sport so if you take i, I went to the um olympics in london in 2012 and i watched the men's 100 meters final and I was just past the finish line. And there was a guy who went past that finish line a fraction of a second faster than everybody else. And then he went like this. And he did that classic <laughs> sign. And everyone, and everyone knows it's, it's Usain Bolt. Who came second? Nobody knows. Nobody cares. <laughs> well, no, the one who came third. I mean, you're getting bronze for third. Fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, it doesn't matter. And, and we sit at home, we look at them in the audience and we're, and, and we're thinking, from the audience, and we're thinking, didn't they do well just to qualify? And they're thinking, shit, I came fifth. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you need to have that belief that fifth isn't good enough, especially in business. Being the fifth best at something is not going to be good enough. Even if you are fifth, still believing that fifth is good enough, yeah, well, we're doing all right. We're fifth. We're the fifth best at that goal has to be number one because that's where all the rewards are. Usain Bolt made $50 million in sporting contracts after that with endorsements. Opportunity to run anywhere in the world, do whatever. Now, I've coached a guy for the last um, 15 years called Andy Alderson who built a business in the UK called Vanarama doing vehicle leasing. And, um, and that business, when he started it, it was out of a, a porter cabin, you know, just a, like a roadside cabin. Yeah. And it was him and three other guys and they're on the phones and doing stuff. And he had this incredible vision about making the process for the customer absolutely seamless because everything about it before that was difficult. So he would wake up every morning and thinking, how do I make this smoother? How do I make it better? How am I going to take that process? How am I going to remove all the headaches? And he made it faster and smoother and better and better and better until he got to the point um, last year where he thought, you know what? I've just about got it. I, I think we're just about there. And he was ready to sell the business. Now, on paper, that business probably was around about a twenty-five million pounds business. He sold it for two hundred million. Why? There to there, that little extra bit. The company who bought it couldn't do that themselves. They didn't have the. They didn't have the vision. It. They didn't have the technology. They didn't have the the foundation underneath. They didn't have the belief of the staff. All those things that Andy had created weren't there and they had to buy that they couldn't they couldn't create it themselves now that mm. to me is brilliant that's what brilliance looks like and that's the type of rewards that people can get and then awesome. you know you can look at it in many many other areas as well whether that sure. be in you know presenting being on stage doing stuff you know it's whether you want to be a brilliant parent a brilliant husband anything at all it's that right. little extra bit that extra effort that's what's going to make the difference Absolutely. Um, and I would, I would add, you know, good luck in marriage. Um, you know, if you're not aiming for the brilliant side of, of what you do, and that leads me back to something that, um, comes from that same book, um, by David Sandler, he talks about your I versus your R. I want people to really hear this because I think so many people trap themselves by over-focusing on the R. I is identity, R is role, right? And sometimes we associate our identity with our role and that's where we get into trouble in life. Um, you know, we are inherently valuable individuals. And I think the most important brilliance that you can find is being brilliant at your own identity, right? That's helped me so much balance out who I am and appreciate who I am. When I was over-focused on, on being brilliant at a role that I wasn't necessarily meant to have, 
that leads to disaster in life. So if you're doing something right now and you're not feeling called to be brilliant at it for your career, or you're in a relationship and you're not being called to be brilliant in it, you might be in the wrong relationship. You might be in the wrong role. You shouldn't, you should really feel an enjoyment and something pulling you in this direction of wanting to find that brilliance. And you should also feel a slight disappointment within yourself or, or even a profound, like, wow, I didn't give my best at that. That to me is kind of what reminds me if I'm aligned with my identity or if I'm doing something where I'm not meant to be brilliant at. Michael, what are your thoughts on that? You feel free to debate me on that. No, I, I, I mean, I think it's true is the answer. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. The way to test it is when the alarm goes off on Monday morning. Do you wake up and are you stoked about it? Do you leap out of bed or are you thinking nine more minutes and hitting snooze? And the day that you start hitting snooze is the day you got to ask the question and you have a couple of weeks at hitting snooze and that's it. you got to find something else. And, and it's so easy for me to say that. It's very, very easy to say. And anybody who, you'll interview loads of people who do the type of stuff that I do. If any of them ever say to them, and all you have to do, get them off the screen because there's no all you have to do. Everything I'm talking about, everything I'm sharing is a scrap. To get up towards brilliance is an absolute fight. It's a daily fight. There'll be people who will be wanting to put you down. There will be circumstances that are so beyond your control, you will think, is there anything I can do about this? Just give me a break, for goodness sake. You'll have the rug pulled from under you over and over again. Those things are going to happen. But if that vision... And that's what you talk a lot about. If that vision is strong enough, you will be driven. You'll be, it's like a magnet's going to pull you towards it. Now, I don't believe in any of this, you know, um, cosmic ordering stuff and the, you know, the secret okay. and all that. I think that's BS, all that type of stuff. You've got okay. to do the work and it is hard work. So yeah. if you're going to do it, you might as well enjoy the hard work. It might as well, you know, give you a buzz. It might as well give you a bit of energy. So well, and, and works a virtue. That. Works a virtue when you are doing the right work. Um, and, you know, work, again, it's, it can be a semantics game too. Um, and I think it's why I, I tease the idea of semantics. Most people, I think, fear it or don't know what it is and don't like it. But, you know, language and nuance is super, super relevant and important. And as we get ready to dive into elevating, you know, those who are listening, elevating your writing beyond good and achieving extraordinary results through your writing, um, I want to go back to that original book that you launched. Yeah. Do you remember how much that cost you financially to get that book published and to get it out there? Do you have any insight into that for, for authors? Because that, that game has changed over time. Yeah. And I'm curious if you remember well, I, how much that cost. It didn't cost me anything because I was paid to write it because it's published by Pearson, the second biggest publisher in the world. So, um, But I can well, tell you how awesome. I got the deal. What? That's, a, that's interesting. I'll tell you how I got that deal. It was... It was quite something. I, so you got I, paid to write your first book. Yeah, yeah. I got paid. I've, I've only self. I've only self published two out of the eight. Okay. So um, yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, so the, I'm, the, I'm the all way, ears the now. Way, the way I got the deal for the first one for um, how to be brilliant was, I um, I wanted to write a book. I wrote set a goal. I will have a book published by the end of this year. And you know, think about putting it out there and meeting people. I met somebody called David Bell. So it's a David Brown and David Bell had these big impacts on my life. And I recorded a set of six CDs. So you might remember these times when we used to buy these Nightingale Conan CDs, you know, the, yeah. the six CD packs and listen to them in the car. 
So I made my own and I gave this guy, David Bell, a set of CDs. And he said, Michael, is this a book? I love the title. And um, how did it be putting What a great title. I said, no. He said, I'm going to introduce you to a publisher, somebody called Rachel Stock. And I think you'll like what she is about. And at that time, in the top 10 business books in the UK, six of them were published by Rachel at Pearson. That's how good she was. I mean, she's amazing. Ooh. So I met her and I did this whole pitch about this book and what it was going to be. And she gets we had lunch together and she said, look, I love it. It's great. Let's do it. You've got a deal. I was like, yes, brilliant. Oh, that's amazing. That's going to, that's going to be superb. And then she said, so, um, and we think that probably next summer it will come out. And I, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. And now this was, this was the Thursday before Easter weekend. And so I said, no, no, it can't be next year. It has to be this year. And she said, well, why? I said, because I've set a goal. I'm going to have a book published this year. <laughs> and she said, but it takes at least a year to publish a book. The whole process takes that long. And I said, no, no, it's got to happen this year. And she said, well, no, Michael, there's no way we could do it. And I, I said, there must be a way. There's always a way. And she said, the only possible way would be if you'd already written it. Because we have another author who's actually just hasn't hit the deadlines. I'm about to sack him. So you could have his slot in the publishing process, but only if you'd actually written it. And I went, Rachel, I have written it. And I looked her in the eye and it was a complete lie. I hadn't written <laughs> it. But I just got it in my head that I could write it. So she said, you've written it. I went, yeah, just I'll need the manuscript by Tuesday. I was like, yeah, no problem at all. I'll just review it at the weekend and I'll get it down to you. And I left that hotel and it was a city called Leeds. What day was this miles. of the week? Um, sorry? What day was this? A Thursday? A Thursday? Friday? Thursday. <laughs> okay. Easter weekend. Um, I rang my wife from the car and I said, Christine, cancel everything. We're writing a book. And, and we wrote this book in oh, four God. days. And there were so many things. Which, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And a couple of things. First of all, it's the, one of the chapters, I didn't think it was long enough. And it was, we sat there, it was like this Sunday or Monday night, I can't remember which one. And I said to Christine, I, I'm going to write some extra words. She said, it doesn't need it. And I said, it does. I'm going to write an extra thousand words. So I wrote these extra thousand words, slotted them in all over the place. <laughs> in those days, you used to get an editor's red pen copy. So you print out the book, then they write all over it, and then they give you it back to do the corrections and the things that they, that you've got to work on. And Rachel, at the front of this chapter four, she said, Michael, there is a problem with the beginning and the end of this chapter. They're too far apart. Lose a thousand words. <laughs> and that was the one. <laughs> that was the one where I'd added an extra thousand words. So this is the 10th anniversary edition of How To Be Brilliant. And I wanted to tell that story at the beginning of the, um, of the, the, um, of, of the book. And so I got in touch with Rachel and I said, I want to tell this story, blah, blah, blah. And she said, um, yeah, OK, that's great. I said, but can I ask you, when I said I was going to do it in you know, four days, did you know I hadn't written it? And she said, of course, I knew you hadn't, but I knew you would. <laughs> and that was the thing. I knew, I knew you, you would. And and, you know, how to be brilliant went into the top 10 business books in the UK and it stayed there for two years and four months. The revised That's edition, awesome. the personal development version, went into the top 10 personal development books and stayed there for a year. Uh, it's now in 27 different languages. You can buy it on the shelves in 80 countries around the world. It's, it's mm. quite something. 
Oh, that's amazing. that was my first book. So after that, it was like, oh, where do we go from here? So brilliant. Okay. So diving right in now to elevating the writing of those who are listening, going beyond good and achieve extraordinary results. We're all ears, Michael. What do we do? What's our step? This this is the next. This is you actually said that seventeen was my last book. This is actually my last book. This is just out. Oh. It's called Write That Book. When did it come and, out? Uh, it just came out about two months ago. Oh, cool. Well, that's it yeah. shocked so me. Write, so write that book. Write that book. How to write, publish, and sell your book. So the the reason that that book came out was like a lot of people. You know, we had a global pandemic. Um, I promised my wife we were going to do less traveling. <laughs> That year, that kind of worked out. We did a lot less traveling. <laughs> oh, man. did a, a, an event, a, a, an online event um, called How to Be Brilliant. And a group started from it. And it was really positive, And it was a, you know, a beacon of positivity. And then I asked the people in the group, if I could teach you anything, what would it be? So I could teach you how to save an hour every day. That's one of the books. I could teach you about customer service. That's another book. You know, I had all these different things I could teach. And then I was doing it as a survey, one of those survey monkeys that was sending out. And then yep. just as I was about to press send, I clicked how to write a book. And 70% of the people clicked how to write a book. Mm. And I realized that this community that I had, they loved the idea of writing books. Yeah. and But they didn't know how. So I, I set up a little pop-up thing, and then I set up something called Write That Book Masterclass. We've had 3,000 people go through our one-week course, and we've had about 400 go through our three-month course. And those people who are watching this on a video, this shelf up here, all of the books on there, all the way around there, all the way along to there, they are all published by people who are members of Write That Book. Yeah, all Fant- of Fantastic. And I've got to tell you, when you talk about why you want to keep on giving, feeling I get, I could cry about this. When you see somebody open that package for the first time and see their name on the front of a book, it is the most joyful, joyful thing to watch. And people say it's better than having, you know, it's better than when I had kids, you know, it's it's better than I won this when I won this or I did that. It's just the greatest feeling that you put your words into a book and they've been published. Now, as you alluded to earlier on as well, it's never been easier to publish your own book. Yeah, you can do it and you can do it reasonably economically, but don't get caught out. And what I wanted to do with Write That Book was to show people, look, this isn't just about how to write a book. This is how to write, publish and sell your book. And all these people who say, I don't care if I only sell a handful of copies. Yes, you do. You're just copying out. You're you're just cushioning yourself for the blow of doing it the good way, not the brilliant way. Absolutely. So we show people how to do pre-sales, how to sell through, how to do stuff in multiple formats, how to create audio books. We have the whole lot. And, and it's been the most wonderful, fulfilling experience um, with that. And hopefully maybe with the notes, we can put in a little link on where people can get some free stuff about how to write books as well. Absolutely. Well, and you mentioned that it's while it's easier to publish the book, that means the competition to write the book is much higher. And that means there's less readers for you to to be able to get your books in the hands of and get their attention. So you have to be more on point with the strategy than ever before, um, in my opinion. I couldn't agree more. And you know what? There's, There's some people who have done a brilliant, brilliant job with that. 
you know, think about things like the Miracle Morning, which is self-published and just sells through all the time. Um, and then you've got other other books where it's the best idea. It's really fantastic. And it's sat there in boxes in people's garage because they yep. haven't managed to get the message out there. Absolutely. My stepdad wrote a book. Um, we still have boxes to this day. It's been 25 years. Um, and he put his heart and soul um, into that book. And uh, he's, it's not it's not a failure by any means. Um, you know, but he, you know, had he known more about the strate strategic process, um, he could have done way better with it and he'd feel a lot better about it himself, um, you know, to this day. But we didn't have the same access to resources back then that you have now. Um, and, uh, you know, it's that's his legacy to worry about, not mine. I've got to make sure you listening, you have to make sure, are you allowing yourself to make excuses for your own life? Or are you looking at the opportunities in front of you and saying, you know what, I should call Michael. You know what, Jackson's also hosted Ashley of Detail Publishing. Jackson's also hosted Amber Vilhauer of No Guts, No Glory. Maybe I should call all three of them um, and see what my options are and, and get a better scope of the lay of the land and figure out how is this going to work for me? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, oh, it's huge. So let's dive in a little bit to write that book. Um, you know, a little bit of the Cliff Notes version, Michael. Uh, what what practically if i were to sit down right now um and let's say that i've tried to write a book by drafting some pages um gotten into that process and i've i've learned that amazon has a self-publishing process what would that person who's kind of in that spot what should they do next number one you should start building the tribe of people who are going to buy your book long before you've written it you should be communicating with people talking to people being that the best person at a party. You know, if you've got a room full of people, you don't go walking and going, hi, I've got a book coming out in three months. Nobody wants to be that person. You go in, okay. you go, hi, who are you? What do you do? Oh, that sounds amazing. Just chat with people, talk to people, start and build up a list. Um, second thing is treat writing a book like a job. Like you are being paid to do it. So you've got to show up and you've got to write something every day you know i i say if you just write for 17 minutes every day you will write a book you, you could probably do a bit more than that but 17 minutes is the minimum that you need to be doing every Isn't single that day sad the standard of work has gone down so far i'm teasing the, but the reason for saying 17 minutes is that people in their minds they go oh i could do 17 minutes and then they write yeah. for longer they always will right, people right think oh i've got to write for two hours it's overwhelming the next thing is pardon my language here but is write shite I have this mantra, write shite, because as long as you're writing something, Smart. it doesn't matter. I promise, if you sat down and you wrote 500 words of SH1T, and then the next, and you review it, and then you look Create at it Create crap, okay? Yeah. There you go. Absolutely, I mean, that's it. You know, people, there's loads of words for a shitty first draft, all that type of thing. It doesn't matter. Basically, what it's saying is you're better off doing that and then reviewing it than sat there being paralyzed trying to write something that's perfect because yeah. it won't be. I love it. it Print who? You know, yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, you can, you can, you know, and then the next thing is. I mean, laughing at me down there. <laughs> I can yeah. see him. He's like, Jackson, shut up. <laughs> be, be ruthless with your edit. Okay. Um, especially if you're doing something that's a, you know, a, an autobiography, that story that you think is really funny that you filled 48 pages with probably isn't. Yeah. And if you get slightly bored reading it, other people are going to. Um, if you're writing a mm -hmm. business book, put all of your best stuff in first. 
this idea where people go, oh, I'm going to write a book to promote my business. So they leave all the good stuff out, hoping that somebody's going to buy their book, read it and then go, I want to know more about this person and then buy that. It doesn't happen. You want your best stuff in your book and you want it right up front because a lot of people don't finish books either. So you want yep. to be really, really putting great stuff in there, great content. Um, and if you think, well, people are going to buy it for $10 or whatever, so what? You know, that's that's it. If they buy it and then they, just, they don't do anything else with you, that's the purpose of being an author. You that's share right. your knowledge. You share what you've had the fortune to learn over the years. You're going to share that. And make sure if you're thinking about your book as your best business card, make sure it's a great business card. You would never hand out an old raggedy business card with spelling mistakes on. So invest a bit in the production side of things. Make sure it looks great. You know, if you're giving out promotional copies, it's worthwhile getting, you know, some hardbacks printed. Make sure it's typeset beautifully, that type of thing, rather than thinking, well, you know what? I could get them printed by Amazon. They all come. They're a bit floppy. They're a bit shiny. They don't look nearly as good. About 13 years ago, um, an author introduced herself to me at a networking event um, as a best-selling author. Um, and I was very impressed with how she presented herself. She gave me her business card. Um, I flipped it over and it said, get my book free at www. <laughs> and I, she lost all credibility with me whatsoever. Like, what are you doing telling people you're a best-selling author when you're giving away your book for free? Like, how hard is it to sell a free book? And then I go on to her website just to check and see. Maybe this is just a promotion for now. Nope. She's got three reviews on the book. Yeah. Okay. I don't mean to judge her, but I hope the rest of you who are listening, you've got to, you've got to consider the perspective of an audience. When you see somebody that's launched a book, says they're a bestseller, and they've only got three reviews, there's something that should sit wrong with you as yeah. somebody promoting that book. You've got to get people to like it. So you talked about building that tribe up front, but you also mentioned... Don't just go like tell people right away, like, hey, I've got a book. I want you in. So um, do you not tell them you're writing a book? Um, and and how does that it depends. work? It okay. depends. Some people, it's worthwhile letting them know you're writing a book up front. And you can say, I'm going to drip feed some stuff to you. You know, I'm here to help. I, um, ask people for opinions on do you think like this cover or this cover, all that type of stuff. It's all marketing. You've already decided which cover, but always ask people which cover they, they want. But the other thing is, that just pick up on something you said there. That description of best-selling author, people get themselves on one very niche category of Amazon for an hour, and they describe themselves as best-selling author. Now, that's right. fair enough. Look, if that's your thing, that's fine. This this book, flip it. You see what it says at the front? The number one bestseller. That's mm -hmm. a Sunday Times. That's the equivalent of your New York Times number one. I was going to say, I hadn't heard yeah. of the Sunday Times, so I was going yeah. to call it out, but is, is this a, a British thing? The Sunday Times is the big, it's, is our, it's, your, it's your coming of your New York Times. It's the Sunday Times in the UK. The Sunday Times is the chart. And, it is, awesome. and, it's, and it's put together by, it's Nielsen's chart, so it's not even their chart. Mm. So it's literally how many books were sold at bookshops during that week. And that book, Flip It, got to number one. Now, I'm not saying that to impress you, right? I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled with that. But that the work to get to that particular point was extraordinary. But it was the luck in the last minute. Because a, a radio DJ, a guy called Chris Evans in the UK, um, eight and a half million listeners read that book. And he 
got me on his show and he said, this is my Christmas book recommendation. Everybody should go out and buy 10 copies. And I've got the author, Michael Heppel, on the show. And after that, boom, the whole thing exploded. And we sold literally tens of thousands of copies in the weeks that follows. Every week we were selling. On that little bit of luck followed all of the diligence, all of the brilliance that you put into making that happen. The same as Mark Victor Hansen, right? When he sent those books to the jury of the OJ Simpson case, um, you know, and that's ultimately what allowed them. But that was two years of following what he called the power five, where they were contacting and getting into any bookstore, anything that they could to promote their book. They were doing five things per day to make that distribution happen uh, pre-internet. So yeah, the, the luck factor, you know, only plays out when you've planted enough seeds, um, you know, in, in the vineyard for everything yeah. to start to really take off. But the thing is, a lot of times people go, oh, well, yeah, I, I, I want to do that. Yeah, I, I, I want to do But they're not prepared to put the work in. I mean, that was my, that was my fourth book. I, I was very lucky with my first one. My second book, I thought this was going to be brilliant. This is going to be huge. This next mm. book that I'm going to do didn't do very well. Third one did okay. So it was like a lot of people at that point would have been, well, I just could have quit. Yeah. Or, or just, or I'm going to be known as the heart of a brilliant guy and then leave it, leave everything else. I was determined I was going to make it happen. Absolutely determined. And, um, and yeah, it worked out. It worked out very well. Have all one, of all ones flip it. Um, yeah. You know, it sounds, it sounds flippant um, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, that's great, man. Uh, well, any final thoughts? Uh, if you were to share any final elements of wisdom, or you have a program or something you want to tell us about that's coming out, by all means, Michael, the stage is yours. Well, look, the, I, I always think when people do these things, at the end, they start pitching stuff. It always feels a bit ech to me. If you if you like what I'm about, you'll find me. You know, Find Michael Heppel, connect with me on whatever format, whether you're on LinkedIn. See, I, here's the thing with LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I get these people who connect with me, and one of two things happens. They either come straight in and pitch me on something, within mm-hmm. 30 seconds, well, I'm not going to buy anything off you in 30 seconds, or they don't ask me for anything at all. Well, I, what I want is I want people to genuinely connect and have conversations, yeah. and then if I can help you with something, I will. And I do that all the time. And when they have those, you know, person knows these people. So it goes, Michael, do you know such and such? Yeah, I do. Would you do an introduction for me? Yeah, I will, if I know them, if we've had interactions. So I, yeah. LinkedIn's a great place to connect with me. Um, it Michael is a, has- a great, great place. It's a spam jungle. Um, I would agree with you, Michael, on that. And, you know, I, I don't think we have too much of a shot of changing, like, the human behavior, the human nature, um, and the marketing nature that exists on that. At the same time, um, you know, those who are listening, what Michael's saying is just just reach out and say hi. Yeah. Um, you know, be just nice. be nice. Be a comment, friend. Come on, comment on somebody's – well, if you've written an article – and you see a name that you don't recognize and it goes, hi, I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed your take on that, Michael. Thanks very much for doing it. I love that person. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking, oh, wow, I don't know. I've never met them before. They've said something nice. I'm straight away thinking I want to connect with them. I want to help them. It's that law of reciprocation, you know, to, to yeah. do that. So that, that's one thing. You know, we, we have, you know, michaelheppel.com, we've got a, we do a 90 day program where you get lots of emails and we get videos yeah. sent and all that type of stuff. And it's, this is all about me putting deposits in the emotional bank account. I want people to really love me from this, from the get go. So we don't sell anything. We literally just, you know, send out great stuff. 
Uh, we send out a weekly newsletter. One time it's personal development, one time it's customer service. That's my other area of, of expertise. And if it's about write that book, we have writethatbook.co.uk. And on there, again, I just give loads of stuff away. You know, just yep. go in there and just say, hi, tell me about the stuff. Put your email address in. And, and honestly, we, because authors need confidence boosts all the time. They are so terrified of doing something that's going to fail. So part of my job is to say, look, it's going to be all right. And here's why. And just do this today. And if, you, and if you're worried about something, just do that, you know, and um, oh, yeah, there's write that book, the book. And, and that's the site. Yeah, write that book. And these are different things. So idea the book in 90 days, um, you know, voice that book, how to create audio books. Um, yeah. Be the first to know sticky details in there and we'll send some great stuff through. And um, do you know if you just see this little video, I don't know if you can play that video. We won't can you maybe play that, Jaime. We'll take, um, take an it, extra minute. It, go ahead and play that. It's just just have a look at this person receiving their book. Yeah, just <laughs> click on there. You know what I was saying about the feeling. Look at how much joy she has. Woo! Look at that. <laughs> That's her book being published. That's it. That's what we want to help people to do. And look at, the, look at them. They're crying. Oh, that's cool. You know, look what I've achieved. I've done it. I've done it. And I think when, when you can have that excitement and that passion, boy, I mean, write that book is just being a joy. All, and I've coached all of those people. I've helped them to achieve what you're seeing right now. It's fab. Oh, it's quite I love emotional, that. actually. You could you could sit and watch that, and you know, get quite. Um, yeah, keep that on, Jaime. Mean, keep that thing. on for a minute. And to summarize, so in terms <laughs> yeah, I see of somebody, people smelling it as well, <laughs> right. when they get their first copy of the book, they get it and they smell it because it's that new book smell. Yeah. Yes. If you're in two minds about writing a book, let me help you to do it. Absolutely. So as we've heard, um, when it comes to writing the book, one of the things I love about the tagline that uh, Michael shared with us on the achieving extraordinary results. You know, he focused on more so remembering that your writing doesn't have to be perfect. You want to focus on the results that you want to drive, right? Get your strategy in place and your goals. And then once you get to the editing process, that's the opportunity to be ruthless with making sure that the writing adds up. So well said, super wisdom packed into that I know from experience firsthand and my own efforts to try to get published as well as in my efforts to help Teo with theirs. So, Wonderfully said, Michael. Thank you so much for your time today. Visionaries, you can connect, connect and reach out to them on LinkedIn. Uh, you can connect and reach out through the website. We'll have all the information in the show notes, of course. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you on the next episode. Everybody have a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. We optimize them as the months go by. This is going to get more and more fun. Um, we'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for, uh, for giving us your time and attention and have an excellent time building out your vision.